We're back. We're back. Yep. It's time again for the Finding Strength podcast. We, we still don't Should have a ditty. Say, I know. <laughs> we need one. We need one, but we don't have one. Well, I haven't been on here for a minute, too. No, so. It's been me recording with, with other randoms lately. Out of state, too. Too much travel in my world. Yes, I agree. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am in my own home for the first time in like the last three weeks. Anyways, today I've brought in uh, just this stud of a human being who is, he's my yoga coach, trainer, instructor, guru. What, 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 what's your title? Um, I prefer the term instructor Instructor. because teacher is um, quite, uh, I mean, I I respect and honor the role of teacher. Um, I refer to instructor because that's more... Um, objective, less ego to be referred to as somebody's teacher is a big honor. So if you were to call me your teacher, I would accept that. And I would, and I accept that we all play a role in teaching each other at times. Um, but I, I usually refer to instructor as opposed to teacher. In that case, I have brought in (laughs) yoga teacher. Oh, there we go. Okay. Mine, Jeffrey. I've done, I've been doing, so I've been doing Bikram yoga, like the hot yoga thing for those of you who don't know for, Years, years and years mm-hmm. and years, and it has been one of the most influential things in my life. It just it, for alignment, for physical health, for mental health, for just spiritual health. It's been the thing you always go back to. Yes, yeah, yes. And um, one of the reasons, one of the things we like to do on the podcast is share what works for us, for the listeners. And this guy, he freaking works for me. <laughs> is, dude, I, your classes, bro, they're awesome. You bring this energy. Anyway, so I wanted, we, this is fun because we don't know Jeffrey at all. No, I know Jeffrey from being my teacher instructor yep. in, in the class and that's it. So we're just going to kind of get to know each other and you guys get to listen along. But and we I mostly, don't know Jeffrey at all. Yeah. So I got the juicy questions. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Juicy questions. They're our favorite. Was <laughs> there anything we need to catch on, catch up on since last time? Oh, I know one thing. Well, hopefully having Jeffrey on here, we'll get some new listeners. So if you've never heard the podcast before, the, the kind of the, the idea behind this podcast is to get people together, to have a conversation, to get to know each other, but more importantly, to give the guest an opportunity to tell their story. So we understand them uh, and, and really, you know, what has helped them throughout their life to find strength. And whatever that is that brings you strength, man, we want we want to know about it. So we want to know your story. So okay. Brindy's usually the, the best yeah. at asking the story questions, the getting to know you. And then I chime in with some knowledge. Some, <laughs> some brain busters, maybe. We'll see. Mental knowledge we'll is see. what we have Matt here for. Yeah. Yeah. So how we usually start off, Jeffrey, is just we kind of start off from the very beginning. Like, yeah. where are you from? So I grew up in Virginia. Okay. Um, I was a uh, my my dad was in the military and they moved all over, but I am one of nine children and I'm on the tail end. So I'm not a military brat in that my older siblings are, they did all the moving around and lived all over the world. By the time I was born, my dad retired a few years later. So I grew up in the same house, which is unheard of for all my older siblings. So me and the two younger ones, we grew up in Virginia. Okay. So you so. didn't do the moving around thing. No, nope, That's uh-uh, crazy. Do you see all. the difference between your siblings and you from like the moving around? Uh, mm, no, I think I okay. see the difference in a lot of ways. I don't know. <laughs> if I, I don't know if I would attribute it to the moving around. Yeah, perhaps. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know that I would attribute it to the moving around, but oh. definitely a difference. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So nine siblings. Nine. I just have to ask this Freaking because nine this kids, is, bro. That's so many I, yeah. Are you, is your family LDS? Yes. Okay. Oh. Yes. Yeah. yes. 
That's is. why you have to ask yes, that. Yes. But you think that's just, it's a given, you know? Yeah. So both my parents are from Utah. Okay. And uh, so Utah was natural for me to like, it was easy for me. After high school, I moved out here, which is oh, what brought okay. me here. And um, uh, what I tell people is I was doing my Mecca Mormon journey, you know, like, like mm. I had to come back to the motherland, Utah, you yep. know, um, landed in Provo with friends that were going to school. And I was so rebellious in my teenage years um, that I had, I had no, I, uh, no interest in going to college, but came out here after I'd been out of high school for a year um, to just kind of hang out and, and see, you know, Provo was a fun, cool place. Yeah. And then um, I landed here and I've, I've been here ever since. I love, I love Utah now. It's home. Salt Lake is good. Hello, folks. We're back. Sorry, we had some weird technical, technical difficulties. difficulties. Okay, I think we're back online now. Anyways, yeah. so we were talking about nine kids, grew up LDS. Utah was like a this really Well, he grew up in thing. Virginia, yeah. and then Utah's you the always Mecca, came back oh, to Mecca Utah. Mormon journey. Yeah. Yes. Oh, there we go. Yeah, let's talk about that. What was your <laughs> Mecca Mormon journey? Well, so to get really deep, because we like to dive in, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I was raised LDS. Uh, okay. but my dad converted. My mom was was uh, had been a generational LDS. Um, and um, I didn't fit that mold. I'm, I'm gay. I uh, really went back and forth in my youth and my childhood um, with, with uh, struggling with feelings and not sure how to handle it. And my mom dived into all the Mormon approved resources, which looking back for myself, and I think she's maybe on the same page with me, recognizing that probably wasn't the best thing to do was only take those approved uh, resources. Um, And so what I tell people is I moved out to Provo, Provo, Utah, in an attempt to submerge myself in the Mormon culture of Utah and make myself straight. I'd tried this back and forth stuff and um, needless to say it didn't work um, I am now clearly true yeah clearly <laughs> I am Good, now <laughs> 12 years married to my husband oh, and fantastic, um, we man. actually have an additional partner that we brought on to almost two years ago really so there wow. are three of us now that's and, wild um, yeah so very very uh, we we joke about that that you know in a way we're going back to our polygamous roots <laughs> <laughs> because my husband was also raised LDS okay. this uh, our, our our third partner he, um, he grew up in California California and very not religious, you know, um, but yeah. So that's, that's what exciting. got that's yeah. what got me here. That is yeah. exciting, <laughs> that's and that's cool. it's crazy because we also grew up Mormon, and so um, I feel for your mom. You know, she's mm-hmm. doing the best that she could with the resources that she had sure. and what she was told, what resources she should have. Mm-hmm. And I could only imagine, like how oh, yeah, yeah well, that could have been back you then. Don't, you don't know our story no. at all, right? Like, but so kind of like the crux of our story is. Is I got her pregnant after I knew her for a month. Whoop whoop. <laughs> there we go. We never yeah. had problems getting pregnant. Sorry, no, people. we did not. <laughs> Fertile Myrtle over here, <laughs> freaking a. Anyway, so I get her pregnant, and what did my parents do? They go to all the church-approved sources too. Mm-hmm. Like I got like a letter from my grandpa stating like, "Hey, here's what the church says to do. You should either stay together or put the baby up for, for adoption. adoption." Yeah. Right, and this we've talked about this on the podcast before, so this isn't new to to some of our old standard listeners. But what what ensued throughout that whole thing was some very serious abandonment for me, sure. for her, sure. and so we know the pain of having parental abandonment more or less when you're trying to just figure your own shit out. Like yeah. you're just being you, we're yep. just yes. being us. We're like being of course, ourselves. people make yeah. mistakes or whatever you want to. Call. I don't even know if that. 
I don't think I would call Ezra our child a mistake anymore. I, would, yeah. I, I think it's the greatest it thing that ever path. happened to us. Yeah. It was my path. It yeah. was what I was supposed to do. And it wasn't easy. It was hard. Well, I don't fault them for turning to no. the thing that they thought would bring them, yeah. you know, answers. But sure. in the end... There was like, pain and hurt, but we grew from it. But in the end, when when people go to external sources for internal problems, we end up really, you know, misaligned, discombobulated, like just freaking jacked up. And Absolutely. it creates a lot of chaos and, mm. and hurt for people. Yes. Because there's this intuitive sense within us as human beings that allows us to kind of centralize ourselves in this path that we're on. And in the end, the whole point of it is to love each other and to be kind and sure. to be understanding. And sure. And and a lot of times when you go to these external sources, even you know even LDS Church approved sources, that's not the underlying message. And and much like to 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 the everlasting chagrin of our people who are trying to help us out, right? Like that when you're coming in with this is your duty, this is the right thing to do. Like, sorry, folks, that's not loving. It might feel that way, but if you've ever been on the other end of it, it doesn't. It didn't feel that way for me. I mean, yeah. what, what was your experience with that? Oh, absolutely. The, the same thing. I mean, my mom came down with all these approved resources, you know, that, that honestly, this was, so I'm 35, so this was my youth, so 20 years ago, she's got these approved mm-hmm. resources that are no longer approved resources, oh, yeah, right? No. And and not just from a societal perspective, because at the time, I don't think they were very much approved societally, but even the church has now realized that they've, as an organization, had to shift away because there's been too much evidence against mm-hmm. this being beneficial and this being, you know, these being the best the best way to, to resource or counsel or support somebody experiencing what the church had referred to as same-sex attraction, which I would just call, you know, I'm gay. You know, yeah. that's, right. I, yeah, I, I that's I like that. Yeah, that's just all it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. gay. There's nothing more to that. Exactly. So exactly. when you come down here and you move to Provo, obviously you know what you're getting yourself into and you're having these emotions. How did you find yourself of like, okay, I am gay and I'm going to accept myself and I'm going to move forward with my life with this path. Okay. This is a really good question. And I've thought about this a lot and I think I have a good answer. Okay. (laughs) So I spent, I I spent the first year that I was here. Um, uh, I lived just South of campus. Uh, my joke is that, um, if I got hit by a car, I would look like a BYU student because I worked on campus. I had a BYU ID. They BYU had just made the change where they took off the student ID, like, like identifier on the student ID. So everyone who had a BYU ID, whether they were faculty or staff or, or student, it all looked the same. So, so that was my joke. And I used my BYU ID for all the student discounts I could possibly get, (laughs) of course, right? (laughs) All the perks. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, But um, so I spent that first year uh, and then I enrolled in Institute because I had to have some kind of religion classes to qualify for BYU approved housing. So I spent that first year, um, again, what I'd refer to as submerging myself in this culture. You know, um, I I was very active in my ward. I met with my bishop pretty regularly to to talk about a potential mission um, and just like staying close with him. Um, my best friend that I moved out here with, um, she, she really played an integral part in me coming. She lived right behind me. And, um, Mm. ironically enough, the ward boundaries were right where they were, where we weren't in the same ward. But, um, and, uh, and so that was my support system per se. So for the first year, I really was ingrained in that and spent a lot of time trying to do the right, right thing. thing. And after that year, um, I went home cause I had a job here that was during the school year. And then in Virginia, I worked as a camp counselor for the summers. So it was great that I had these like toggling jobs. So I went home for the summer, had no interest in going to my, the, the ward out in Virginia and, um, uh, started hanging out with my friends that were less cared about who I was attracted to 
you and just wanted to be friends and, and had a really good summer, you know? And, and so I came, I came home back, back, back to Utah and I'm like, okay, I've done this whole, like trying to be a good Mormon my whole life. Really. I've made my slip ups and, and done the whole repentance thing. I've never tried being gay. Like I, I kissed a few boys this summer, but like that was it. You know, I, I need to like, what if I try this? I've never really tried this. Yeah, go the other route, right? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, a little CD, uh, I got on Craigslist <laughs> because that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. And um, and and fortunately, I'm alive and I didn't have any tragic accident. I actually met this guy who was at BYU, very closeted, um, very cute. I met him. I went and um, spent the night with him, connected really well and just felt very like, I think there was a lot of trauma bonding there too because yeah. we were both pretty closeted. Oh, wow. I'd tried to come out a few times, but... Um, so hold on, back yeah, up, back yeah, up. yeah. So I've tried to come out a few times. Explain that yeah. terminology. Yeah. Really yeah so um, I, 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 in my mind, I remember three incidences where I tried to come out to my parents. And the first time I was, um, the first time I was curious. The second time I was, um, I was lonely. And the third time I was like. Mom and dad, I, I think I'm just gay. Like, yeah. like really, I, I think I'm attracted to men. And each time it was, oh, no, 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 no. That gay is, a ch- gay is a choice. Gay is a lifestyle. You may have same-sex attraction, but that's something that can be worked through and forgiven. And we can we can handle all of that. That's your trial. Ex- yeah, yes, wow. exactly. When that happens, how does that feel? Yeah. You know, um, that's a great question, Matt. (laughs) Therapist question. Here we go. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I think looking back, like, like my logical brain wants to say, oh, that doesn't feel good. You know, I, I didn't like that. I think if I, if I really ask myself and dial in, how did I feel back then? Um, I think I felt, uh, I mean, I, I was a pretty obedient child. I had my like rebellious stuff, um, you know, and kind of what you talked about earlier, this, this intuitive internal knowing mm. I didn't know how to listen to that. I listened to what was prescribed around me. The adults around me were authorities in the room. Now that I'm adult, I am like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> there's so many people, crazy people running around pretending to know what they're talking yeah. about. Yes, um, <laughs> but, uh, it, it felt very, uh, I, I think I was really in a space of like, okay, if, if, if someone is, an adult is telling me what I'm supposed to do, I respect that as the authority figure. And I don't have the answer here. Well, yeah, because that's who you go to, right? When you're a little kid or For like sure. you are, you look to, especially your parents, they're everything. Well, I'm growing up in a house with nine kids, military, you do like, for me, and what I relate to in that is duty. Yes. Yeah, you do mm-hmm. your duty. You have a duty. Yeah. You have a responsibility. You yep. do the thing that you're supposed to do. do. There's yep. a right thing and a wrong thing. Yes. And the right thing is according to this prescriptive whatever. Yes. And if you go outside of the right thing, the prescriptive whatever, then you're and well in, in you know in religious you know terminology or whatever edict you're sinning. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so now to go outside of the realm of responsibility or duty, you're now labeled as a sinner. And this is, this is folks listening along. Like this is the concept of shame incarnate. This is shame. That's how shame works. And that's how organizations use shame to control and to maintain their power. And that's not something that's fun to talk about for people. It's because people like being like, well, my whatever group, it doesn't matter if it's some church or some whatever. The shame is, is, is designed to create in crowds and out crowds. And it's designed to create physiological, you know, 
stuff, feelings, emotions, like this painful thing. And it's actually the mid part of your brain responding to the potential disconnection that you could experience if you were to go down this path. So if I were to embrace, I'm gay and I'm going to not care what my parents think, that would be too painful. And so subconsciously my brain says, because of shame, that's the painful feeling. Nope, I'm just going to stay on the path. And so that, that's what we wrestle with all the time as human beings is just like, how do I stay within the in crowd? How do I quote unquote fit in? Well, and that, sorry, go ahead. But that shame, right? That shame, that feeling that we get, that's the way we grow up and what we perceive, what we've been taught in life, yeah, correct? It's, it's off of our internal kind of like framework. Like they, yeah. they call them mental models that yes. you're given throughout your, your, your holding environment, your yeah. childhood, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So the yeah. reason why he feels shame is because his whole life he's been told that that's not the way God wants us to live. Right. But correct? shame... But shame, the thing, the thing that's interesting about your story is you didn't feel this really painful thing. You just felt this responsibility to do the right thing. Mm. So shame doesn't mm. always feel like this gut-wrenching, okay. horrible, awful yeah, thing. that makes sense. Sometimes it's just this dutiful thing that you just do because you don't know any different, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me, Matt. Um, I love the way that you talked about that because this segues really nicely into what I wanted to share. So that, two, so after that year of really submerging myself, mm-hmm. I then spent two years in an awful relationship with a guy that I learned a ton from, but very much shut down another part of me that was mm-hmm. that I would now call the spiritual side. At the time, someone would have referred to it as the the churchy Mormon side, but I've now taken my sense of spirituality outside of the claim. You of the church. Yeah. And, and, and after that two years, I still wasn't happy with this guy. And so I am at this place in my life where I'm like, I'm miserable. I can't be a member of the church. It doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't work. There's too much shame imposed. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. when yeah. I was a teenager, some intent, this is coming back, some intense shame I did feel. So in Virginia, not nearly as many Mormons, right? So every young man that was at church was expected to pass the sacrament because there weren't, we didn't even have eight deacons to do it all. You oh, know, wow. it was a mix of de- deacons, teachers, and priests with the youth in the ward. And so if I was at church and not passing the sacrament, because I felt guilty about the things that I was looking at or doing that I knew were wrong in regards to homosexuality, especially I couldn't sit there on the bench without feeling intense social pressure and shame mm-hmm. of Jeffrey. How come you're not passing the sacrament? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yes. What's wrong with what you? What did you do? So that was a, <laughs> that was a big thing that I, that I felt in my youth where I really did feel a lot of shame was social pressure and shame. Um, and, but, um, at this, so I lived this, this dual life. I, I figured where I, I tried to be, I tried to be Mormon, but wasn't honoring what I felt inside, what, who I was attracted to and the kind of connections I wanted to make. And then I tried to shut down this sense of spirituality within myself because to me that was Mormonism Mm -hmm. and, and that didn't work with being gay, but I wasn't happy there either. And interestingly enough, I've got to give him credit. My now husband said to me before we decided to start dating, I kind of had this mental breakdown and, and we went for chat for yogurt. And he said, dude, it's really simple to me. Like you can't hide from God (laughs) and what you've been doing these past two years, dating this guy that you've had a terrible relationship with. It looks like you've been hiding from God. And Mm -hmm. I think God isn't judging you or holding this shame towards you. 
nearly as much as you are. You are. Like yeah. you need to go get right wow. with God. He goes, cause, cause I'm gay and I love my life and I go to BYU and I have a good relationship with my Bishop and, and he lived a very, he did not have gay trauma just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. to speak up. Yeah. Um, and so, and that, that was a huge turning point in my life when I realized the, the LDS church does not own spirituality. Yeah. I get to connect with God and, or a sense of spirituality, whatever that looks like outside of these, you know, rules. And when I do, that's more embracing who I really am. Mm -hmm. And if I embrace who I really am, well, now I'm not trying to hide or shame or disconnect from a part of myself. I'm gay and I'm attracted to men. And I have this profound desire to feel this sense of spiritual connection with something bigger than than, than me, than, than what we can see, taste, touch and feel and smell. And, you know, with our physical senses, there's so much, something so much bigger and, and more important there. Um, that was a big pivotal moment in my life was after doing the, the Mormon thing for a year, really intensely here. And then two years dating a guy. And that's when my life really started to be more congruent and come into harmony. Wow. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, I remember when we, I mean, I'll speak personally, but we kind of went on a similar path, Brindy and I, but this realizing, almost having like an epiphany of sorts, like what you're talking about, Jeffrey, which is just like, you know, no religious institution has a monopoly on my relationship to God, a higher power, to spirituality. And then I remember learning something that really helped me a lot. And I use this a lot in, in the therapy world because it's kind of what I, like my philosophy that I use is human beings are four parts, their mind, body, chemicals, which is something that I think I talked about a lot, but we have a lot of chemistry going on in our body. And then the fourth part is obviously the soul or the spirit or whatever. Well, and, 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 you know, you might hear, I've heard this phrase, like we're human beings having a spiritual experience. Like that's a pretty commonly used phrase, but what exactly, like if you're to like break that down, what is the spiritual experience that we are having? And that's the thing that religion and, and spiritual, you know, edicts and texts and, and organizations are trying to prescribe or even aid people in understanding. But the truth of the matter is, is what spirituality means, and this is what I learned, is it's anything that brings you meaning, period. That's it. That's all it is. And so this is something that brings you meaning or purpose to your life. That is a spiritual thing. That broadens the definition of spirituality so great. Well, I was just going to say that makes it so individual. It is. We're, so, we're all individuals and our meanings are all going to be completely different. Yeah. Especially the way we were raised, the way we perceive things, the way we grew up. Like... Wow. Well, you know what brings me meaning? Freaking concerts. <laughs> you do. We were at a concert concerts. last night, man. I love music. I get to go there, I get to jam out. We're freaking hanging out. It brings me tons. Like, I love being around people and us all energy, feeling the yeah. same energy at the same time. Nature brings me meaning. Mm -hmm. This brings me meaning. My job, my work, my family, you. I mean, the freaking Bikram, dude. Yes. Like, that whole, it brings meaning. And so why why is that outside of the prescriptive you know, de depiction of what spirituality is. I think that's really interesting, Matt, because <clears throat> I would say at, at the fundament that like meaning is so individualized and so personalized. I would say that is part of, again, to borrow from my Mormon vernacular, that's part of our agency. Mm, like that is yes. such a critical component yes. of the Mormon doctrine that we have our agency. So if we have our agency, we have the power to choose what is meaningful to 
us. Mm-hmm. We get to create and make that meaning. And then when we live in harmony with what is meaningful to us, wow, all of a sudden we've created, that is the ultimate definition of creator, mm-hmm. right? Creator. We've, we've, we've chosen and given energy to the things that are meaningful to us. And now we've decided that's meaningful, and important to us. I do want to share this. So one of my favorite spiritual teachers, she's an author. Her name's Esther Hicks. Her husband, Jerry died a few years ago. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but point being one of the wonderful things that they say is the basis of life is freedom and the purpose of life is joy. And I love that when you look at life and boil it down to such a generalized thing, because that literally applies to everyone. everyone that encompasses all of our agency. If the basis of life is freedom and the purpose is joy, then what that tells me based on the conversation we just had, we get to choose and create our meaning because we're free to do it. And then when we create and choose our meaning and live in according to our meaning, we get to experience ultimate joy. Mm-hmm. That to me is, is almost the pinnacle of spirituality. That's brilliant. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yes. Brilliant. Um, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Once you, you know, did both your, you did dived into the Mormon side and then you dived into, um, experimenting who you are and, when you got in tune with your soul and your spirit and your intuition of like, you knew who you were, what you wanted to be, like, where did it guide you to? Where did it, where did it lead you next? So that's a great question. That's uh, so this guy that I had the conversation with, who is now my husband, there's clearly so a story there. <laughs> so we walked away from that conversation and my thought was, I have to go break up with this guy that I'd been in a terrible relationship for two years. And, and my husband's, my now husband's thought at that time, as we walked away from that conversation was, oh my gosh, I could never date this guy. <laughs> he talks way too much and he's kind of an emotional mess, you know, cause I really just like word vomited all over him when mm-hmm. we got together um, and, and had that conversation. Um, and, and so, um, I would say when I started living my life in, in harmony with what I was listening to an internal guidance at this point, and I realized my internal guidance, like I can feel, I, I, again, to borrow from my favorite teacher, this, this Esther Hicks woman, um, they use a phrase, um, emotional guidance system, you know, mm-hmm. which, which is when you're feeling positive emotion, you're living more in harmony and in, in inspired and in tune with the, the, the things that are good for you and, and the meaning and the, that you're creating and the values that you harbor, even on the deepest level that you may not be able to consciously feel, your emotions are what you can tap in most readily and say, yes, this is more in alignment with who I really am versus this is out of alignment with who I am when I'm feeling negative emotion. And I started, um, at the time I didn't have this vernacular, but I just started doing and trying to be more in harmony with, with my emotions. And, and it almost sounds uh, hedonistic, but, but it's not, it's deeper than that doing what feels good, you know, mm-hmm. on a deeper, truer sense of purpose level. And, um, and that's what led me to start dating Andrew. We, we started dating. And then because I, again, my, my understanding at that time, a scripture phrase that came to me, this isn't the exact quote, but it's something along the lines of by their works, ye shall know them. Mm-hmm. And to me, I looked at that two years that I was with this guy where our works of our relationship were awful. We weren't mm-hmm. happy. People around us were like, whatever, but mine and Andrew's relationship 
we were so happy. And everyone around us that met us would be like, you guys are so fun. You guys are so cool. And, but, but deeper than that, people would come into our home and they would say, wow, this feels like a beautiful space. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's a lot of love here. There's a lot of positive energy here. And to me, that was extremely validating uh, when I needed it at that time. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, for other people to reflect this back for me, that mine and Andrew, the way that we're living our lives, uh, and, and, and really I'm like, I had scriptures at that time where I'm like, all of these scriptures are telling me that I'm doing the right thing. That's and cool. and I use that to relate to my family and some of my other LDS friends, because again, I was very enmeshed in that community at the time. Um, and then, uh, that, that was my, that was my initial I'd say. And then more and more, Andrew and I have been on this path of spirituality of, of, looking at conventional things and, and challenging them, questioning them, not necessarily for others, but for ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. respectful of what other people are choosing. Cause they also get to be free to choose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'd say that's, that's led us to where we are now, even to the point where we now have, you know, three people in our relationship, you know, there's, there's three people in this relationship and, and we let go of conventions, continually stripped down conventions and said, what's meaningful to us. What's important to us. What do we want to create if we don't have to accept any conventions of anything around us. Um, and I, uh, yeah, does that, does that kind of give us? Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. I love it because I feel like you just kind of got in tune with yourself and you found what like frequencies work for you. Right. And I, I'm a true believer of like uh, my vibrations and stuff like that. And I feel like when you put something out there in the world and you're truly happy, other people can see that. And you're such a big example to them because, they can feel it. They can see it. That's why they come into your home and they feel that space. And they're like, this just feels so right. And then it allows them to be like, well, what do I want to be my meaning? What makes me happy? And it's just, it's like this ripple effect. And I love it when I just meet people who are so in tune with who they are because you can feel that. And it sends this vibration to other people to like have them be able to do the same thing. We all can create our own meaning. Like that's like the whole purpose of having our free agency, right? We all get to be here and get to choose what makes us happy. And we don't have to push on anyone else. If this is individual, you know, Yes. and we can, I think there's a respect level to that too, that I, I feel like we, uh, this whole world could be better at and respecting how other people do things because it doesn't mean that I have to do it either. Sure. So I just think that's absolutely, yeah. So along those lines to kind of bring this back around Matt and our relationship as, as, uh, you know, having a, a love for Bikram yoga, my journey there, I, cause what you just said yeah. really, really touches on, on a lot of my experience there. I, um, I actually hated yoga the first few times I did it. I didn't, I didn't do Bikram, but it was, it was Andrew and I were actually living in Hawaii. We just like freshly married. We we're living in Hawaii and he's like, Hey, they have beach yoga. Let's go do it. And I, the first few times I tried it, I'm like, I hate this. Like I'm trying to like balance on the sand and the the grass. I know. I'm like, I'm trying to balance. I'm like trying to enjoy this beautiful location, but like, I can't do these postures. I don't know what they're talking about, whatever. And I really hated it for the first few years. And then in 2015, my friend at the yoga studio, Elise, you've probably taken her class before. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Elise, um, 
Elise invited me to a Bikram class here at Brick Canvas. Okay. This is the studio okay. that I first started practicing at. Oh my gosh. So you started. I started here. Where yeah. you're working. Yes. Oh, yep. And, cool. and, and that is, so I've since moved up to Salt Lake and okay. I live 40 minutes away from Brick Canvas. That is why I come down here oh, is because I love this love community. Okay. I love this space. Um, it shifted a lot. A lot's changed, but I, I really love what's happening down here. Yeah. And, um, and I love that space, that room. It's, it's a, it's a gorgeous space. studio. It, it has yeah. good energy. That room is it's magical. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Big time. So when we look at like being true to ourselves, to me, Bikram yoga is all about that. You're, you're in a room, um, a traditional 90 minute class. It's the environment is hot. It's Ugh. humid. It's so uncomfortable. You're like, it's like hard to breathe. You're not wearing very many clothes because it's too hot. And you're looking at yourself in a mirror. Yeah. To me, it, this is the, one of the most confronting things you can do. Mm-hmm. You're naked looking at yourself. It's very vulnerable. It's extremely vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. And I didn't realize at the time how like, wow, if you hate yourself, go do Bikram yoga. <laughs> yes. So, so true. true though. Yeah. You, you learn, learn so many yourself. things about yourself. Oh my gosh. Yeah. At, a, at a minimum and at the very basis, you learn to accept yourself, right? Oh, like, yes. like this is my body. This is who I am today. And, and you, you live in such the present moment because for 90 minutes at the beginning of breathing right there, when the class starts, gosh, if you even think about the 90 minutes that are to come, Oh, even the 60, you know, so but true. like, it's so true. It, you've got, you've got to stay present. And I love the role of the, the teacher, the instructor in there because because your job when you get in there you don't have to think you don't you don't have to do anything what you do and this is where it comes back to agency you get to choose your point of focus where's your focus going to go are you going to look at yourself in the mirror or even not look at yourself in the mirror and look down look around because you don't like what you see and are you going to let those thoughts run in your brain of how much you don't like what you see the room is too hot or are you going to choose your focus, pull it back in, dial it in and just say, I'm here right now. I'm going to try this. I'm going to be really present with where I'm at. And you listen to the words and you stay in the posture and you do the movements. And, and as you develop your practice, because it is a practice, right? It's not something you walk in and all of a sudden you walk out with a degree. You continually practice and have good days and bad days. Um, it's so confronting that you just stay really present. You've, you've consciously decided to, to surrender to this discipline of what this person is telling you. And, and, and you, you live it, you live this really uncomfortable space with lots of other wonderful physical benefits. But for me, the draw to Bikram yoga was 100% the mental, the mental Mm -hmm. atmosphere and the attitude there. I, I love that element of it. Yeah. It's, I, I think the reason why I have fallen in love with it is, is this confronting element that you talk about. That's very, by the way, put extremely well, very eloquent because it's, it's so true. You're like staring yourself down at first and like pushing yourself. But by the end, man, I'm so just like in sync with me and I'm able to move in these ways I wouldn't normally move. And I can feel parts of my body that are just a little bit out of place and I can kind of move things that I can't normally move. And it, it just became really beautiful to be able to kind of understand like maybe there's a little bit more going on inside of me than I than I ever thought and if I put myself in extreme scenarios and just speaking you know neurologically what your brain is doing when you're in these really intense scenarios is your brain is trying to force you to get out of this intense scenario initially And once your brain kind of goes, well, I guess we're not leaving, then a completely different part of the brain comes online and takes over. And so I call this like a prefrontal cortex workout. It's the smart part of your brain. And I think Bikram is 
maybe my favorite prefrontal cortex workout that I do. I also am a huge fan of cold therapy. Love the cold therapy and Wim Hof and stuff like that. And um, what's interesting is the cold therapy releases this heat or this cold shock protein in your body. And the heat therapy releases this heat shock therapy protein in your body that are tremendously beneficial for mental health, physical health, longevity, just like life health. They're, they're anti-aging. They're uh, protective against dementia. And they give you so much energy. I, when you walk out of the 60, sometimes the 90 minutes, well, it'll, kick my, it'll kick my ass. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and I don't come out like, oh, I got a lot of energy. But most of the time, uh, 60 minutes, I always come out with a bunch of energy. And 90 minutes, a lot of the time, too. But what's literally happening in your body is you're, you're getting out of the normal energy state and you're tapping into a completely new energy state that you yourself have created deliberately by on purpose putting yourself in the most uncomfortable space and positions you can. And if that's not something really cool, I don't know, right? Well, and I think it's when you're very present, right? You have like to Like you be. have to be very present to be in that different you state of energy. Be. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think part of being present, you've got to be present because everything that your brain is telling you, you're going to die in <laughs> yeah. here. It's like, get out, get out, get out. Exactly. It's like, get out, get out, get out. And, and, and that presence is, is really important. I want to give a little plug here and explain to, to people that may be new to Bikram Yoga and just kind of bring them up to speed. Mm-hmm. Bikram Yoga, is um, it's been around since the 70s. It was brought to the United States by this man. Um, a lot of things, if, if you've watched the documentary on Netflix, yeah. there's, there's been a lot about this man. And, yeah. and where I feel really privileged, Matt, especially in this role, that the, the title that you've given me as, as teacher, yeah. is I, I really honor this stewardship so much because I feel like I'm part of a, a Bikram Yoga Wave 2.0. Bikram Yoga 1.0 was, it was the mentality of the 60s and 70s where oh, you yeah. do hard things because hard work produces results. And, and now we're in a day and age where, hey, you know what? It's not hard work that produces results. It is aligned, inspired action that is going to produce the best results for you today. Mm, and that, that. The, and, and so it's not about, it is about like finding inspiration and, and, and finding the leaders that we resonate with and learning from them. But ultimately the role that I take as teacher and my philosophy of teaching Bikram yoga is, um, I stand on that podium and my intention for me and for you, when you walk into my class, I'm going to hold this space of discipline. There are some certain rules in here that we abide by, you know, mm-hmm. the room is hot. Mm-hmm. You, um, you don't talk, you know, because it's, it's a meditative experience. We protect that for everyone else around you, um, and your behavior and, and whatnot. Um, but but my intention is not for you to come in and when you're in that weakest moment, say, okay, well, I'm just going to let go of everything that I am and just, and just let this teacher tell me what I need to do. There is an element to that. It's very nuanced. So let me keep going here. It's, it's in this very moment where I don't think I can do it myself. I am choosing mm-hmm. with my agency to not listen to the voice that says I can't do anymore. And I'm going to listen to this trusted person Mm. that I see as teacher and let them continue instructing me through these postures. And my intention is ultimately at the end of the day, when you come into my class, I want to teach you how to listen to that voice inside you even more and more so that some days when that voice inside you is really saying, Matt, you need a break, chill out, stop, focus on your breath, whatever. I'm not. I'm not going to point you out and be like, Matt, get off your mat. What are you doing? I think there are moments, again, this is very nuanced, 
where instructors will call out students. Mm -hmm. And I think that's beneficial when done in a trusted relationship mm -hmm. with an instructor and a teacher. Um, but ultimately, when you come into my class, I, I don't want you to quiet your own voice and only listen to me, which is what I feel like Bikram the man where his problems really ran aground, right. yes. loaded yes. into yeah. a lot of ego, right? Yes. But my role as a 2.0 Bikram yoga instructor is to teach with intense discipline, but also fierce compassion, fierce compassion for you and your process and for you to explore what it's like to listen to that voice inside you that is inspiring you to do the posture that you're able to do today and take a little deeper mm -hmm. or maybe back out today because that's what you need and we'll try again tomorrow. And that translates, that translates so well well to daily life, right? Absolutely. And that, yes. that's, I mean, I, I think that's why yoga is so in general, Bikram especially, but yoga in general is, is designed to teach you from within you what it is that you need and to practice that, not just when you're on your mat, but all the time. And I think that you said this really cool thing where it's like, there's these moments in the room, but it's really in life where you have this voice inside your head, there's a part of you going like, okay, dude, you're freaking done. Like, just give up, just quit. But then you can rely on someone trusted, but you have to be vulnerable in that moment. Mm -hmm. You can't be egotistical and, and shut down. You have to open up. You have to be vulnerable and look to this other person. And keyword here, which is like a, a, a trauma therapist. So I do trauma therapy. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> And, and the main thing that trauma robs you of, the number one thing that trauma robs you of is trust. You can't trust other people. You can't trust yourself because you couldn't trust yourself to get out of that horrific scenario. You definitely can't trust other people because those are the people who did the trauma to you. So you have to find these practices within your life where you can rebuild self-trust. And in that moment when you're, you're hearing the voice and you're going, I... I'm going to trust me instead of the voice. And I think right now that I should trust him or her or this person that I know and love because there's not just one voice in there. We've talked about this yeah, yeah. many times on the <laughs> there's podcast. There's a few voices. Yeah. There's so many different voices in there. And and that one voice that might be telling you to quit, you know, uh, Joe Rogan calls it his inner bitch, right? <laughs> like, there's many different voices that, that are in there, but really there's the voice we refer to in, in, in the biz called your inner critic and the inner critic's voice can be very, very loud. And circling back to shame, the inner critic's main tool that, it, that he utilizes or she utilizes is shame. And we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to look a fool. We don't want to look like a failure. We don't want to look like a quitter. We don't want to look like we appear a certain way that's undesirable given our social circle. So learning how to listen to the intuitive voice rather than the critical voice is such a difficult skill set. And that's really what self-trust is, is learning to differentiate between the critic and you, the self. The self, yeah. The self, because the self knows. And, and this, is, this is this internal battle that we all wrestle with, right? Like Carl Jung talked about the shadow, right? That's, that's, the inner critic is like the evolution of this shadow self that we all have. And that's the yoga thing, just in general, for, you know, for all the listeners out there, like if you're struggling with these two voices in your head, that's normal. Everybody's got these voices. You just need to give the mic to the one that actually brings about some success. And maybe that little inner critic voice inside your head, you've given the mic to way too many times. Just rip it away. Stop listening to them. 
And and if you need help doing that, you know, hit up the Bicker Meal Guy. Might teach you a couple <laughs> things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that is that is the 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 role in the stewardship that I take so seriously when I step on that podium. And and um, a- another phrase that I love from my my teacher, my favorite teacher, um, is is this idea that the best thing that we can do for the people around us is by teaching through the clarity of our example. Mm. So by me, can you say that. Sorry, can you say that one more time? Yes, teach through the clarity of your example. Mm. And to me, that means if I'm getting on this podium and I'm instructing you on what to do in this class, I'm not instructing you to do this because I'm bossy and I want you to do this. I'm, I'm intending, even though my words aren't saying it, I'm just using specific language as the way this yoga is taught. I'm using specific language to bypass your thinking system too much to, or, or, or effectively to just get your body to move ultimately to teach you listen to yourself because that is what I am doing. And that is what I can bring to you in this moment is to teach you, to empower you, to find the inner voice inside you that is, that is the inspiration speaking, you know, and learning continually lifelong, right? Learning to discern when the voice inside of you, when the mic is being held by the inner critic versus the inner guidance, the inner self, the inner knowing, the inner wisdom of, of what is really right and true and purposeful for you. Go ahead, Betty. What do you feel at the end of a class, Jeffrey? Like, what do you get out of it? You have to get something like amazing spiritually or I don't know. I feel like just the way that you are passionate about this and what you want for your, um, I don't know, what do you call them, yogis to get? Students. Students. Like, what do you get out of it? It's got to be something powerful, correct? Yeah, yeah. I I would say um, that feeling, that feeling of like alignment and purpose and and benefit. And again, teaching through the clarity of my example to be able to, and and, and I'm going to boil the example down to as, as general as alignment. When I am on the podium, when I'm instructing, when I'm, when I'm guiding you and when my students are tapped in and they're invited to join that, that space of alignment with me, now it's not just separate Jeffrey's body on the podium instructing all these other separate bodies. There's a bigger part of us that is all connected and my students hear it and feel it. When I say, you know, right hip forward, you know, left shoulder forward, you know, chin up, arms back, whatever they know. And they feel when, when that instruction is for them and, and they don't even need a name sometimes, you know, it's, um, I, that, that's why I teach, you know, I, I, I have a, you don't even know this about me, but I have, I have a very dynamic life and I, I really love it. I've got a lot of things going on. Um, and I, I now teach about three classes a week. Um, but that's, that's, that's all, that's all I want because I, cool. I love the space of joy and I've made it a priority to teach those classes. Um, uh, it's, it's not financially lucrative, you know, um, <laughs> and, and, and it's a 40 minute drive, you know, from yeah. my house. Yeah. Um, and it's in the middle of the day and, and, uh, but I, I love it. I love it for, um, not just for the, the feelings that I feel, but I love that sense of, of connection that mm-hmm. we get to feel in the room, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm, when I'm w- there with my students and, and I don't know what they're going through. Sometimes they'll share with me after class. And I love that. Mm. The, the before and after moments of class are really precious to me too. To me, a teacher and instructor, the, the best role they can play is in the room on the podium, but gosh, a really close second is like being approachable before and after a yoga yeah. class to, to connect with your students and, and chat with them and, and get their feedback, see how yeah. their experience was, what they're going through. You connection know, connection is huge. Absolutely. We it's all the, need it. it. We all need connection. It's the end all yeah. Meal. Yeah. 
So you have more? No. Oh, just, it's the end all be all. It's the it's the thing. Yeah. Humanness is connection. connection yeah. What's the worst possible punishment you can give to a human being? Be alone. Isolation. Yeah. There's nothing worse. Even you put somebody in prison, that's not bad enough. You want to take a prisoner and make him miserable, you put him in the hole. So what's the complete opposite of that? Ultra connection. Just yeah. being super connected to a human being. And the pinnacle of life is using connection to create more connection because it's this perpetual energetic thing that spirals outward. And if you can align yourself in such a way that you can be a connector and a creator, you're going to be happy. Uh, You know, I'm so privileged because I get to, I've sat down, you know, for tens of thousands of hours, just listening to human beings talk about what pains them and the absolute worst, most gut-wrenching experiences of their life. And I really have found that there's just, there's kind of two mindsets. It's the mindset of consumer where I take, 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 and it's got to be about me and what I'm doing or creator, which is This is the we over me concept we talk about all the time where I'm creating something for my family, for the yoga room, for my partner, for, for my team, for my community, for my world, for humanity, whatever it is that you're doing, if you're creating it for somebody besides you, there's meaning, there's purpose, there's value. There's energy there that will carry you through your life. And we, you know, right now, man, is the world a jacked up place. Like, we live in this crazy time period. Like, it's really cool. Like, it's quite the privilege to be able to be here now, right? But on one end of the spectrum, the other end, it's horrible to be Mm. here for so many people. There's a lot of misery in the world. Right, like the, the amount of mental health issues we're seeing, the amount of suffering, like it's never been worse. And what people really need now is they need some light. They need some hope. They need something somewhere to just reach out to them and tap them on the chest and say, Hey, you know, you were born with everything you need. Go help, Mm -hmm. go create, go give, go try something new, make something of your life. And, and people, we don't hear that enough. We hear, go buy this thing. Go, go tell me, go watch this show. Go, do this thing. You don't need anything outside of you. Absolutely. It's, it's really interesting where we're at too, because we're in a day and age, right? Where, where, where it's the best it's ever been. And, and also in some ways it's the worst, It's you know, and, and and not to compare our experiences to what the hardships people have had in the past. Right. But, but truly for, for where we're at the, the forefront of, 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 of life as, as, new souls are being born every single day. There's this progression of moving forward. And, and, and I think we, we are creating this, um, as a society, there's, there's a, a lot of shifts, a lot of things right now that want to rob us of our, of our focus, of our agency. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the thing that I come back to and, and that I've really been focusing on in my spiritual journey is like, wow, the, the thing that I ultimately have control over is my focus. Where can I shift and direct my focus? And, and there's so much in the world that wants to distract us for a variety of reasons. I wouldn't necessarily call them malicious, right? Not all of them anyways. And, uh, but, but, but they, they want our attention. They want our money. They want our energy. They want our resources. And, and the most empowering thing we can do for the people around us too, is be mindful and practice, have a practice that allows us to, um, disconnect the automatic 
focus train, you know, the, yes. the, the, the magnet that's calling our focus yes. every now and then consciously saying, no, I'm going to disconnect where that wants to go automatically. And I'm going to choose right here, right now to focus on this breath, mm-hmm. on myself in the mirror, yeah. on this next posture, More this next word. More internally than externally. Yes. Yeah. We, yes. Needed, we need to turn inwards a little bit more than outwards. Yeah. yeah. And have the discipline to do that. Yes. Yeah. Well, Which I is, think that's why you find a practice, right? That's why you go to yoga. That's why you do the thing that that's you do. That's why we do the things that we do. It doesn't have to be yoga. Like no, you do. I know. Yeah. But... Yeah, no, I know. we all have our things and it's stuff. It could yeah. be any. That's why no, I go to yoga. Yeah. But why you, listener person here, what is it that you, you do, do that yeah. brings you this thing? And if, if you, you don't, don't have this in your uh-huh. life, get in a freaking yoga class. Or you go find something. Go do something. Go to a concert. Go to a concert. <laughs> go, go hang out with a person. Go, yeah. you know, if you're struggling, if you drink too much, go to a freaking meeting, right? Yeah. Go, go to 12 step. Dude, I know so many people who 12 step is their life and they're the happiest people you've ever met. Yeah. Don't drink a drop. Couldn't, couldn't let go of the bottle for 20, 30 years, almost dead. And then they're like, you know what? I'm going to stop drinking. And they found the best friends they've ever had. And they're super happy. And they go and help people. Like a lot of people listening to this podcast out there, that's what you got to do. Yeah. You got to stop doing the thing that freaking sucks. That's hurting you. That's killing you. And do this, you. do something yeah. new that will make you better. You know, Jordan Peterson, one of my favorite people to quote, <laughs> who is very controversial. Uh, but he says, he says, what you should do. You should go home tonight and sit on your bed and just sit there with yourself and ask yourself, what am I doing in my life that makes me miserable? What am I doing that sucks, that I know needs to change, that I, that I don't want to stop, but I know makes me miserable and then stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm, it's simple. And as much as it's like, okay, stop doing that. I would add on to, to, you know, to, to the illustrious Jordan Peterson's words. Okay. You've stopped that. Sure. Now what's next now start something that you love and go create more of it for the world and you will be happy. Yeah. You will be happy. Yeah. And for me and Jeffrey, that's a little bit of Bikram. Yeah. And, and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You know, and yeah. for you, that might not be Bikram because it's hot. No, I love Bikram. You, I just don't go to it as often as you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love for, it. But for you, like, what, 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 was it, what is it for you? Like, what is this thing that brings you joy and happiness and creative creativity? And I would say, first and foremost, being a mom. I live for my kids. Sometimes too much. <laughs> 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 but yeah, definitely my kids. And then um, I CrossFit right now. It won't be there forever. I already know that. I think something that brings you a lot of joy too is friends. Oh, I love friends. You love I love friends. people. People. I love being with my friends. I, okay, now she just that, lit yeah, up, see, folks. I did. I just lit up. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the reason why I love friends so much is because they're the people who choose to be with me. They're choosing to be in my space, and they're not obligated to be there. And so. I know people think like, oh, wow, she really likes her friends more than her family, which is not true. <laughs> I love my family, but I absolutely love my friends. And I will be with my friends till the end because they choose to be with me. They're not obligated to be with me. And I think that says something There's that's very validating, there. right, there for is. yourself. And, and and I choose to be with them. Well, and we're, the extended family thing is different from the immediate family thing. And we spend a lot of time with our little family. family. Yes, we And do. as you get older, extended family becomes less and less of a draw because yeah. you have have your friends and you have your immediate family. Well, I think it's because you created your own space, your own meaning, and it's different from what your family's was, and they had their opportunity to have theirs, and now we have ours, so. Speaking of uh, families, you're, 
So three people. Can you just talk a little bit about this? How does <laughs> yeah. like we, we don't need like a whole mess of details, but I like I want to know like what's it like? Yeah, How I feel like you... three. What happens yeah. when one's mad? Yeah, Shit. yeah, that's a great. Yeah, that's that's like, that's, that's, that sounds kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great question. Dude, Jeffrey's hey, being an we're, asshole. We're, we're <laughs> gonna team up on him. We're leaving. <laughs> so, so when we when we first got together, all three of us, and decided this was kind of a thing that we liked, let's let's keep exploring it. Um, uh, we kind of. One thing that came to mind really quickly was like, there's, there's just more here. Mm -hmm. There's more love. There's more attention. There's more opportunity. There's a lot more communication, which is absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, there's more desires, there's more wants, but there's also more opportunity for all those things to, to come about, you know? And, and I think, um, I think for me, that's, that's the thing that I like to think about is, is there's more, um, my, my two partners, um, uh, went to Thanksgiving point and saw the tulip festival. I don't really care for the tulip festival. You mm-hmm. know, it's just not really interesting to me, yeah. but that's one little, ex- Oh, and then, and then me and Andrew, we really like musicals, you know, and our, our, our other partner doesn't. Okay. And so it's, it's hold on. Gay stereotype. He doesn't like musicals. <laughs> he doesn't like <laughs> oh musicals. I know How? Matt, we're shattering gay stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I no. love musicals. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't like musicals and, um, and, and that's been, that's been something that has been really fun for us is that wow That's when cool. when yeah. one person likes something or wants to do something now there's this other trusted partner and and granted we certainly have friends and and yes. whatnot there right like yeah. I'm not saying you need to go get a third to fulfill all of your things yeah. but really I think for me and Andrew one of the things that like uh, made made space for this or or this a possibility before we even real realized it was again, we're very unconventional people, you know, and, and, and automatically, um, as much as I like rules and structure, I, I really like the freedom to be able to choose in or choose out or Being create my open, own. I feel like you're very yeah. open. Yeah. 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 You don't have an opinion on something right away. Yeah. 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 Okay. I love that. And, and, um, he with, oh my gosh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, it's sorry. just like, no, it's okay. Um, we, we found that, uh, where was I at? The openness, Oh my gosh. There's more. The thing that I like that you said, yeah. I'll just piggyback yeah. on what you said. You said there's just more. Yes. Yeah, more. Which is cool because yeah. like, even on like a, just like a, like a physiological or a physical level, like you bring three people in the room, there's more energy than two people there and one person there. Like I can imagine that that has some really cool benefits on one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum. There's probably more other stuff too. Well, Emotions, yeah, like intensity, whatever. Boundaries. I'm that's sure you guys have to set up like certain too. boundaries yes. and stuff like that and respect them. Right. Yes. That's actually a really good point. I love that. So there is more, right. But there's, there's more lots of things, right. Yes. More, yes. but in some, and sometimes we don't want more, right. Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's simpler to just, just have one other person or, you know, or, or yeah. whatever. And, and I would say this is where, um, uh, something that, that I, I like to tease about is I'm like, you know what, if you want, um, to progress really quickly, like personal growth development, um, get in a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, Seriously. if you want to, or business, <laughs> get in a relationship or do a business, you know, open your own business. Um, uh, another opportunity is if you're in that relationship, uh, make it open. <laughs> That's another quick path to personal development, you know, and, and see what that means to you and your part. I'm not, I, I don't think people need to have open relationships, but point being, um, so mm-hmm. I, th- I think I found that for us, like, like, uh, an additional partner was 
a catalyst for more personal growth. Mm -hmm. And Andrew and I joke about this from the beginning, since we've been together, we've been suckers for personal growth to the point where it sucks. It's painful (laughs) and uncomfortable, you know, like, 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 exactly. Exactly. But but isn't that the point, right? That's how we grow. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so it's been funny to me as Again, as we strip back layers of what we're supposed to do and listen to this intuitive mm-hmm. guidance, where I feel called along my path, because I believe there's a greater part of me that knows what I really want. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it does. It calls me through things that are sometimes uncomfortable or difficult or, or not pleasant because it, this greater part of me knows that the outcome I want is, is on the other end of that. You know, and, uh, and, and so I, I think that's, to me, that's what like, like this relationship has just been, it's been wonderful and, and it's been full of challenges too. Right. But we have had more conversations around boundaries than I've ever had before. You know, I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which is such a good topic to have in a relationship. You have to have boundaries in a relationship. I don't care if it's just you and one other partner or how many of our partners you have to have boundaries now, even if you're even if you're single you got to have boundaries yes. with yourself Self. well and they change know. as you evolve yeah. and so you're constantly yep. talking boundaries and it's like if you don't talk about boundaries in your relationship i suggest you start now yeah for like, sure start it <laughs> yes time. Ab- absolutely that that's so funny that you bring that up because i i have a few close relationships in my life and i want to respect their privacy but um uh well and to share my personal experience i don't feel like boundaries is a very big conversation in my family you know and from what i've seen culturally boundaries is not a conversation that happens in the lds church and and for whatever reason, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and I've loved that, that where I'm at in my life and my journey has led me to have more conversations about boundaries. And now I don't advocate that everyone open up their relationship or go get an additional partner, but oh my gosh, I promise you, you're not going to hurt anything mm-hmm. by having a conversation about boundaries and anything that might feel painful is really just stuff that was like festering. This is an opportunity to like help establish trust and safety. Mm -hmm. I, I have been so drawn to people in my life that are, that are firm with boundaries, almost to my detriment where I'm like, I don't really know if you're like the most friendly person, (laughs) but you hold boundaries so So well. well, I want to hang out with you. (laughs) Yeah. Can you teach me how to do that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The key, the key, uh, well, I guess the, the quickest, quickest way to resentment is to have no boundaries. Yes. So if you want to resent somebody, you want to have resentment in your relationship. Don't have boundaries. Have porous boundaries. Yep. <laughs> boundaries protect you against resenting your partner because if 100%. you don't have boundaries or partner or friend or business person or freaking you All yourself, relationships. anybody, it doesn't matter. If you do something that you don't want to do and you didn't say anything about it because you're afraid of holding boundaries, you are guaranteed going to resent that person for asking you to do it when in fact it's your fault that you didn't say, say and no. And that's on you. Yep. And so all these resentful people are walking around pissed off and disgruntled and angry at the world because they don't know how to say no. Going back to the Mormon church thing, right? Yes. That's yes. The, it's yes culture. Yep. Exactly. Yes. exactly. That's not just LDS faith, right? That's not just Mormon culture. Right. That's so oh, much right. of American culture. It's Western culture in general, because if I say no, in comes shame. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to be cast out. I want to fit in. And so what do I do to fit in? I say yes to everything. And I'm resentful and I drink too much. And that's how it works. (laughs) Welcome to America, Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Great recipe for a therapy job. I got lots of job security, man. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's true, though. It's true. That is awesome. But it's challenging, though, to once you start to realize, like, oh, man, I say yes to everything. And I'm just really kind of pissed off all the time. It's really challenging you're like okay 
where do I need to hold boundaries? Uh, how do I hold boundaries? What do they look like? Yeah. Anyway, this that'd yeah. be that'd be a good episode. We should that do a boundaries episode. episode. Yeah, people pleaser. Yeah, Let's people pleasers, man. They, <laughs> it's, they're they're everywhere. Yeah. Well, this has been. We fun. are everywhere. Yeah, Thank I've really so enjoyed much. this. This has been great to get to know you yeah. both and and Likewise, to man. share in this yeah. way. I appreciate Thanks, it, man. Really Before we close it. up, though, we do like to ask our our uh, what do we call them? What? We like to ask. You know, at oh, the end of our episodes, yeah. we always say. What helps you? What fi- what what is it that you find strength in that helps you live like your best life? Like if you could give anyone a piece of advice to help them finding strength in their own individual life. You know, this I think this is one of the uh, I asked Matt for cues <laughs> before this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think this was um this is something that, that I wrote down and it and it's pretty general, but truly it's um like for me, it's, it's making peace with self. Like, like I, my sense of spirituality and what I believe in, and I've kind of thrown out right and wrong and more so intention and, and meaning. Um, I, I have found at any moment, the best thing I can do for myself is to find a little bit of relief. You know, mm. so if, if there's any angst, if there's any resentment or, or, or whatever, or, 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 or not even resentment, but, but anxiety yeah. or depression, yeah. right? Like, what can I do in this very moment right now to help take care of myself and find a little bit of relief? That has really been powerful for me. And sometimes it's been, you know what, I'm having a really terrible day. And, and so I, I'm going to surrender. I'm yeah. going to have a terrible day. That's okay. I'm going to Be- have a terrible day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because, because if I am angsty about having a terrible day, that's not going to make it any no. better. And if I just lean into it, well, at least I won't feel angsty about having a terrible day. Right. Yeah. And then I will probably wake up tomorrow feeling a little bit more refreshed. Yeah. And that has really been uh, a guiding principle for myself is wherever I'm at in this moment. And as much as I can give grace to yeah. the people around me, again, encompassing the whole conversation with boundaries and, and setting ag- and having agreements and, and all those things. But like anywhere I can give that grace to other people is you, you get to do you, you know, and yeah. Uh, that, that for me is, yeah. is finding that space where I can give myself a little bit more grace and yeah. find a little bit more relief, which we need to do that to ourselves. People, we need to give ourselves grace. We're yeah. too hard. We're some of our worst critics. I love that. Yeah. yeah. If you want to learn more about this, the, the clinical phrase for this is self-compassion. Yep. Self-compassion. all heard of it's mm-hmm. saying in the moment, what is it that I can do to care for myself in this moment? What do I need? Life is freaking hard. I need to take care of me. And that is beautiful. That Beautiful is. advice. Yeah. Do you have social media handles and stuff like that that you want to plug or or anything you want to do? No, not really. I mean, my name's Jeffrey Donovan. Um, yeah. You know, I I I guess I guess Matt, this is a, maybe a missed opportunity for me. It's so one of the things that I do. I teach yoga, so come find me at Brick Canvas yep. in Lehigh. Look for me on the schedule. Um, I teach a few times a week. Sometimes you'll see me other places. Um, I love to have new people in class. Um, by all means, please come and say hi to me at the beginning of class. Little plug. That is the best thing you could do. Any any new class you're taking, go say hi to the instructor. Show oh, up early. Don't be late. Yeah. <laughs> Show up early so you've got plenty of time. Um, and say hi to the instructor and just just let them know that you're new or whatever it is. So I'd say come find me at Brick Canvas in Lehigh. Um, I actually started a new business almost a year ago. I'm a travel Ooh. advisor, and oh, so sweet. I'm focusing on luxury travel and cruises. And so um, how can people find you? Did we just become best friends. Yes, uh, we yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. We love travel. Oh. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Okay. It's Jeff Donovan. 
Um, okay. just, just all one word, Jeff, yeah, Donovan. Jeff Donovan. Yep. D O N O V A N. Yep. Um, and, uh, I am private, um, okay. but I'm pretty accepting as far as letting people follow me. Sure. I had a hack a few years ago that kind of scared yeah, me. So I'm, smart. I'm really not that cool. People but. <laughs> send a message, let them know you heard the yeah. podcast. You want to yeah. follow. Yeah. 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 That would be great. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. So hold on. We can't end. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Let's I do it. Let's do it. We need to talk sorry. about this. Matt loves traveling. Yeah. Loves oh, traveling. okay. Okay. So what is this luxury travel? Just give it a plug because people who listen to this are going to be interested in this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, so I've been thinking about, uh, opening a travel advisory business for a long time, you know, and, um, I, I've only soft launch, meaning I've only talked to friends and family about this okay. and, and word of mouth. I've, I've, I've gotten some clients and I've booked some, some cruises and, and some travel experiences. Um, I am shifting and focusing into luxury luxury experiences, high end luxury experiences, but I also do main ship cruising. So, you know, <laughs> like Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, language. I just got back from a, a Virgin Voyages cruise. It was super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the way up to like Silver Sea and Azamara, all these cruise lines you maybe haven't heard of, but, um, definitely haven't heard of those. I yeah. Know, yeah. Like, you are speaking up this alley right yeah. now. I love it. Never admitted yeah, about I, it. Silver Sea. I, 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 I love cruising. It is, it is so fun for me. Like That's if you I'm. have any question about going on a cruise, like please chat with me. I, I can, I love compounding deals and getting a great offer, maximizing value. I'm all about the perks. That's my um, love that's language. That's how I like to deals. do it. It's like, <laughs> yes. Deals? That's mine. Yes. How can we yes. cut corners and save money? Yeah. <laughs> that's why we work well together. It's in my bloodline. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care what it costs. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. Let's just bring it out. The best experience ever. Today's the last day we're ever going to live. Let's yes. just do it all. But you've got to have both of those, you, you know? And, and I would say my specialty, because I, if you throw on extra perks, oh my gosh, I will pay more for extra perks. It's especially when it's such a good value. Oh, yeah. um, I am, and, and I'm such an advocate of that, you know, okay. I almost Done. never book wow. less than a balcony stateroom because that's where all the perks oh, start course. to come in. And uh, depending on the credit card you're using and yeah. I've, I've got lots of little okay. tips and tricks. Got yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Jeffrey knows what's up. <laughs> I do. I do. I love it. That's I love awesome. It. Well, and if you're a first time listener, you can follow me at Matt underscore Quackenbush or just look up at Matt Quackenbush or at mm-hmm. Quackenbush. You'll find me. I'm all over the place on the socials and on the internet. Uh, the name of our company is Finding Strength. Strength. Website is finding-strength.com. Um, I'm not currently accepting new clients because I'm full and I have been for a while. I have like a year-long waiting list or so. However, there's this wonderful, amazing partner of mine <laughs> who is constantly looking for new people to work with. She's a life coach. She's constantly amazing. Constantly don't act. Yeah. My uh, books aren't wide open. <laughs> well, she's... she's I'm she, a part-timer. Part-timer. I got kids. Yeah. But yes, my books are open and you can find me on Instagram, Coaching with Brindy, and Beautiful. reach out to me there. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.